guys welcome back to tag team pokemon trading card games premiere podcasting duo my name is riley holbert joined as always by my good good friend mr gw crewall hey in the house how's it going man hey it's going pretty well man guess what what's that there's some big news in the crewall household well first did i say this on the cast last week i got a promotion i i don't think you did and honestly i thought you were just about to say that you had a kid <laughs> it was like oh, a meme. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that is big news. She's like gets cuter every day, I swear. But um, yeah, I got a promotion at work, so that's pretty cool. That's big news. That second awesome. piece of second piece of news that I'm pretty excited about. We got a we got a raised bed garden in our backyard. So we're gonna be we're gonna be producing some kale, some cucumbers, some cherry tomatoes, that's some herbs. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to bring those herbs to NAIC? <laughs> I most likely will because that's going to be when a lot of the, you know, the cucumbers and such will start to be coming in. So very nice, you know, and I got to I got to have a nice, healthy snack between rounds. Yeah. As yeah. one does. Of course. Even healthier than chicken salad, I would say. I did have chicken salad tonight for dinner. Speaking of and. And lettuce. How was it? It was great. I had uh, I, I'm a big uh, chicken salad apologist. <laughs> apologist. So anytime that I can eat some chicken salad, like I'm I'm usually there as long as it doesn't have grapes in it. Yeah, yeah so. get the grapes out of there. Yeah, what'd you have for dinner tonight? I had a burrito. Ooh, that you made? No, he bought one, <laughs> but not from Chipotle. So step up. Oh, from Cadoba. No, 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 no. It's from a local Mexican From Moe's. From some local from a Mexican local place? place? Yeah, yeah. Is it good? It's pretty good. Yeah. Was it better? It. Was it better than Moe's? I, I think so. I think so. Okay. Hmm. It's also different, right? Like when you go to the Chipotle or the Moe's, the Qdoba, you're getting a specific type of Mexican food, right? A specific genre, subgenre of it. Uh, mm-hmm. that's made for americans to eat as quickly as possible mm. uh, or is this is just a giant fat burrito that's full of stuff i don't even get to have a say in what's in it <laughs> it comes to me <laughs> you know that's awesome yeah yeah they tell you <laughs> right. what you're eating and they know better so yeah fair enough so that, that's how i like to live the burrito life nice so, you know, things are clearly you know going astoundingly well for the tag team here <laughs> njw there is a lot going on in the world of pokemon thank goodness man i feel like we've been stuck in the prior format for a little too long so i'm excited to get some spice in my life yeah we had a and it's not even over at the the time yeah like technically it's not over like we have had so many events in the brilliant stars standard format it is kind of insane you know it is and it felt like the format got kind of, I don't want to say figured out, but people knew the direction it was going pretty early on. And, you know, it eventually just devolved into this Arceus, re-Arceus nonsense that we're in. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely felt like we were seeing a lot of the same. You know, it's like, okay, well, you have, uh, you know, straight Arceus and uh, Arceus with bees. And like, okay, they're definitely 
technically different yeah. archetypes, but at the end of the day, you know, turn one, get your Arceus down, attach to it, you know, <laughs> turn two, evolve, attach again, attack, you know, and that was pretty much what, uh, what we've been experiencing here, certainly as of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have a lot of opinions about Arceus, but, you know, I'm excited to see some shaken up in the game with the new Astral Radiance cards. Astral Radiance dropped just yesterday as of recording this podcast on the Pokemon Trading Card Game Online and TCG Live. And people are so excited to get their hands on these cards and get a feel for them. Also got, of course, the full grip was 3.5K for standard this weekend. Mm-hmm. So lots of money on the line for our standard format competitors with the Astral Radiance. And we're so excited to jump in and talk about what's going on with the set. Yeah, we are. I think there's a lot of new things that, while not, there's like one game breaking thing, I think. And then the rest <laughs> is like very nice support. Uh-huh. Um, so, so we'll be diving into that here in just a second. So for today's episode, we are going to be going over the top 10 cards from Astral Radiance. I will be doing an ordered list of our favorite cards from the set and in the back half for those of you who will be going to tournaments either in the astral radiance or brilliant stars format jw and i will be giving our top picks for both of those formats if we are playing this weekend so with that let's just jump the heck in why don't we start with an honorable mention jw Mm, absolutely so our honorable mention didn't quite make the top 10 because of how specific it is but it's still a solid card that should see uh play in very niche situations and that is radiant hall lucha with the ability we've already had this debate on the cast i think it is pronounced niche no it's either it's either well niche is correct though so well okay so a very niche use (laughs) <laughs> uh, Radiant Halucha with the big match ability. As long as this Pokemon is on your bench, your Pokemon's attacks do 30 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon V Max. I think that's the kicker. I think when a lot of people think about the Halucha, they're like, oh yeah, it just deals an additional 30 damage. Um, no, that definitely not the case. You're only doing 30 more damage to the opponent's active V Max, but considering there are still some prominent V Maxes, Urshifu and Mew in particular. Radiant Halucha should find its way into some decks if they're trying to fix up that math in those matchups. Yeah, when I think of Radiant Halucha, I really think of those decks that really just can't quite get the math to work out versus Mew. And against Mew, you need to, at some point in the game, threaten a one-hit knockout, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you don't, then Mew will just run you over, typically. And Radiant Halucha is like a Band-Aid fix for that problem in some decks, um, I don't think it's a staple. There are potentially better Radiant cards. We'll touch on one of those in the top 10 here. But it's certainly an alternative option if you're a deck that needs that boost. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that's really um, just interesting about these Radiant cards is that you know you can recycle them, right? So they, they're yeah. not like the Prism Stars, where as soon as they hit the, the discard pile, they technically get sent you know to the Lost Zone and you can't ever recover them. So uh, that's another nice thing about you know, Halucha, Heatran, Greninja, is that you're going to be able to reuse these cards if you, uh, you know, have the resources to do so. So, very interesting. Awesome. So, with our honorable mention out of the way, 
let's get into our top 10. If our Radiant Pokemon is getting the honorable mention, you know there are some cool cards ahead. So let's start off with number 10 in Diancie. Diancie is a card that we talked about when it was first revealed and is coming back into our top 10 here for the Astral Radiance set. Diancie's rocking the awesome ability Princess's Curtain, where as long as Diancie is in the active position, any effects of your opponent's supporter to your benched basic Pokemon are prevented. Now, when you think of effects of supporters that go onto benched Pokemon, there should be one supporter that immediately jumps to mind, and that is going to be Boss's Orders. That is not the only supporter that could potentially affect the bench, but that's going to be the main reason why you would rock a Diancie. So where does Diancie fit into the metagame? It's really something that you stick into the active and set up your board behind in the early game. Um, there hasn't necessarily been exact fits of decks for Diancie discovered yet, but it's something that I think will be a component of certain combos. You know, you think of like stall decks or decks that need to set up for a little while and then play like a big end game Pokemon that one hit KOs everything strategy and Diancie fits into that perfectly. It also has the spike draw attack, does 20 damage and draws two cards. Not like an overwhelmingly good attack, but it's I think it's perfect for the niche that Diancie is looking to fill. Yeah, definitely. I think Diancie fits, you know, a perfect niche in the format where <laughs> you notice you... we both are saying our thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, but Diancie, I mean, it, it's good at doing something very specific. Um, and while we can't quite crystallize the, you know, precise, perfect way to play Diancie, I mean, there's a lot of different combinations. I mean, I think immediately when I see a card like Diancie, I'm like, oh, immediately coming to a Zorark deck, right? Where you're trying to set up all these different pieces and trying to get that piece into the discard pile so that you can recycle it with Zoroarks and you just need that extra little bit of time to set up behind a Diancie, right? Get your Zuru's out and then you can evolve and get your pieces in the discard pile. But you just don't want those pieces to be gussed up before they're, you know, able to be used. Now, obviously, something like a scape rope can get around Diancie's effect, but still a really great card and while we don't quite know how it's going to be broken there will definitely be a deck at some point that will make really good use of diancy absolutely so if you're looking to craft one of those niche strategies then diancy is the card for you Javi, what's our number nine pick for today yeah number nine coming in at number nine on our astral radiance top 10 cards is starmy v now starmy v is a water type pokemon with a couple of attacks the first attack is a swift attack does 50 damage and says it's not affected by weakness resistance or any effects on the opponent's active pokemon most notably these attacks have uh, been particularly useful for going through any kind of safeguard pokebodies or uh, uh excuse me uh, abilities that would otherwise prevent pokemon v or pokemon gx from attacking into them so swift can go through things like decidui for instance it also has a second attack that i think people are a little bit more excited about energy spiral does 50 damage times uh each energy attached to all of your opponent's pokemon so if you're playing against an arceus deck that's a very common deck that has you know six or more energy in play at any one time where they've 
attached twice to their active Arceus and then they've accelerated to the bench. So, uh, you know, you're winding up there. Some was six, some was seven energy on their side of the field. And you can quickly take those easy one hit KOs with the energy spiral. Now, obviously the downside to this is if your opponent doesn't attach that energy, then Starmie can be a little bit lackluster, but that's a pretty common strategy. And it's, it's really hard to play around. Like you're not going to be an Arceus deck and say, ah, you know what? After I use my Trinity Nova attack, I'm just not going to attach energy. How about I do that? Uh, <laughs> that that usually is putting you in a in a much worse position. So, Starmie V coming in at number nine on our list. Yeah, I mean, I admittedly am a little soft on Starmie. I think relative to some other folks, but I admit it's still a really good card. Uh, and I think where it comes in most handy is decks that either need a little bit of extra oomph versus Arceus in particular. You know, I just need to have that extra threat on the board. Or it's also really good at kind of inhibiting Arceus's ability to Charon's Care Loop successfully. Because if you're not attaching as many energy off of your Trinity Novas, it makes it harder and harder to continue to keep that Charon's Care going. Uh, and because you're having to attach to your Arceus that's attacking every turn. Obviously, yeah, that's exactly. not like a perfect solution, but it does kind of put that extra pressure on the Arceus in a variety of different angles. I don't think it'll see like too much attacking power against other decks, but it's also notable the the Starmie is like a useful Pokemon on your board, at least a little bit regardless, because it does have that free retreat, which is at a premium right now, I would say, being able to offer that pivot option with the Inteleon decks without burning scoop up nets is kind of an undervalued trait. You know, we saw cards like those silly little cast forms get played just because they are yeah. free retreat Pokemon. And this is a Pokemon that can attack. <laughs> Yeah, and if you think about the Starmie, or if you think about the uh, the Palkia deck, right, where, where Starmie would most likely be played, um, you know, you have your main attacker, your Palkia V-Star, and then you have your Starmie, potentially, and then you have your, you know, different Inteleon lines. And um, like you said, it's really great to have a Pokemon that you don't have to commit, like, a switching card to. Right. So you just bring up that storm. I mean, that that is really like you look at places that you can conserve space in deckless and you see these Arceus decks go down to one switch card. Right. They have like the <laughs> one air balloon, you know, and and so in I think the uh, in the Palkia decks, you might even be able to get away with like no switch cards. Right. Yeah. Cause you have, I mean, obviously your scoop up nets would, would be useful for switching your, your, uh, non V Pokemon, but, uh, I rest my case there is just like your Starmie can be that pivot when you don't have the scoop up net in hand and you have something knocked out. Absolutely. So Starmie is certainly going to see play in the Palkia deck and may even creep its way into other decks that utilize those water energies. Awesome card. Awesome Pokemon. Who doesn't love Starmie? Let's talk about our number eight pick then, and that is going to be uh, alluded to earlier in a safeguard-type Pokemon with Miltank. Miltank has the Miracle Body ability where any damage by Pokemon V done to Miltank is prevented. So Miltank obviously can serve as that basic Pokemon that blocks the Pokemon V that we've been kind of missing for a little while. Usually you'll see Safeguard distributed amongst a mixture of kind of like stage ones and basic Pokemon when really it's been localized to Decidueye for quite some time now. And Miltank kind of fills that niche now of an easily benchable Safeguard type Pokemon. 
Mm-hmm. It does also have an attacking option in route uh, that does 10 damage and 20 more for each of your opponent's vanished Pokemon. Admittedly, this is a kind of underwhelming damage attack. You know, you're not going to really creep up to high damage numbers that often, and decks that can play around it will, right? Like if they are attacking with Inteleons, for example, they'll keep their bench relatively thin. But because Miltank is a colorless Pokemon, you can also play all sorts of tricky ways to boost your damage in addition to, um, you know, just your opponent benching Pokemon. You can play the powerful colorless energy to just add on to your base damage and start threatening those two-hit KOs on other non-V Pokemon for relatively low maintenance. I also use cards like the Cape of Toughness, Big Charms to boost the Miltank's HP to tank, particularly the Aqua Bullets that'll be coming mm-hmm. its way and threaten those two-hit knockouts. So Miltank is an awesome card. You can loop it with Charon's Care and Hyper Potions and all sorts of crazy stuff. Just really disrupt your opponent's strategy and make them think twice about the way that they're playing the game. Yeah, it's something that I think, especially in these early tournaments that people can really take advantage of players not playing counters um you think about the mew deck which is on the decline uh, certainly not being played as prolifically as we've seen it in the past and mew obviously has that uh, second attack that can go through any type of effects on the opponent's pokemon so um with mew kind of on the decline and potentially you know falling even further with this new set release um you're looking at one of the biggest kind of inherent counters to a deck like this just just not being a threat much anymore so i think miltank could definitely be one of those cards that catches people by surprise obviously you have um you know, your, your, uh, uh, Inteleon lines in a lot of decks that, okay, you're maybe teching like a water energy to attack with Inteleon and then, you know, Miltank kind of catches a stray bullet there. But I think people can build the Miltank deck in a way that can counter the, you know, one Inteleon that a player might play in their Arceus deck, for instance. Um, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a card that I think, especially early, I would want to at least have some, maybe not, uh, full out counter to the mill tank, but to at least to have some kind of answer to it where I could uh, craft some strategy to try to work my way around a mill tank deck. And I think where the mill tank will struggle the most is against the Palkia decks that are running Inteleon because they're the most likely to uh, not only have multiple outs to getting Inteleon up over the course of the game, but also. Uh, being able to accelerate those water energies onto the Inteleon and power it up out of nowhere with the Palkia V-Star's ability. Yep, exactly. So be cognizant of how you build and play your decks because Miltank is out there. And, you know, if Hoopa has proven anything in formats past is that people will find a way to abuse these cards no matter how underwhelming they may seem at first glance. He'll milk you. He'll milk you for sure <laughs> for all the champion points that you're worth. That's right. Number seven on our list is a trainer card, Trekking Shoes. The Trekking gym. Shoes says, look at the top card of your deck. You may put that card into your hand. If you don't, discard that card and draw a card. So this is a very, very strong draw item card that we really haven't seen in the format for a while um we've had maybe the most uh, similar parallel would be acrobike but the thing with acrobike is that you were forced to discard one of the two cards 
right? And there were a lot of situations where that wasn't good, right? You got, you know, your last one of this resource and your last one of this resource, and you had to choose which resource was more important. Uh, but oftentimes, I mean, I don't know how many times you played Acrobike and you drew into like, yeah, your last two pieces and you just, those were the two combo pieces you definitely needed. <laughs> And you lost because you had to discard one of them. So trekking shoes gets around that a little bit by, um, you know, you, you don't quite see the dig. You know, you only see the dig if you choose. So you maybe have a card that's like, you know, I, I don't know, like a, like a five out of 10 as the first card. And you're like, well, I could win the game if I see my 10 out of 10 card. And then so you discard it <laughs> and then you draw your other card. And then it's a, you know, it's a one out of 10. It's like, ah, oh, I should have kept the, the earlier card. That gives me a better chance, right? So you've run into that situation with trekking shoes. But I think overall, the card is a really nice kind of supplementary draw power that we haven't seen in the format for a while. Yeah, that kind of consistent item-based draw is something that's kind of been lacking in the format. Also pairs really well with cards like Rotom Phone or Rangaroo to either discard cards selectively or draw cards selectively. So really cool addition to the format, something that slots easily into like some of these Mew engines. It's maybe a replacement for some of the other consistency cards that they're looking at. And it's a general like all-around card, you know, if you're looking to make yourself play a 56-card deck, right, instead of a 60-card deck, Trekking Shoes is, is the kind of card that fills that niche very well. And they're kind of kind of fire, you know, kind of fire with it. You know, JW, if you had a pair of Trekking Shoes, would you wear them? I think I would. I mean, I'm not that kind of guy. I think you pull off the geometric uh, loud colors a little bit better than I do, but I'd wear them. You know, I've been kind of saying screw it to my footwear recently. (laughs) Now that you're dead. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So there you go. Tag team endorsed drip in the tracking (laughs) shoes. New merch. (laughs) Merch? Question mark. (laughs) Tracking shoes. (laughs) Awesome. So let's then talk about our number six card, also a trainer, but not an item. And that's going to be the Temple of Sinnoh. Temple of Sinnoh is a stadium card that negates the effects of special energy. So any special energy attached to any Pokemon in play will now only provide a single colorless energy and have no other effect. So where does that come in handy in the format? Well, you have your double turbo energies will now provide a single colorless energy. You have the fusion strike energy will no longer block the effects of abilities and will not provide a rainbow energy anymore. You have all sorts of like twin energies and powerful colorless energy and all these sorts of energies that will not do anything after they've been attached to Pokemon. And that is a really valuable effect, especially when we're talking about Pokemon that leverage the Inteleon engine and are looking to ping against the Mew deck is probably where it is most frequently used, but certainly it's also disruptive against Arceus decks. You know, you think of turn two with Arceus, you're trying to double turbo energy and swing. And what this prevents is that option without a stadium bump in the same way as path kind of forces an immediate stadium answer. Temple of Sinnoh also forces that answer. And it also, you know, just like Starmie, disrupts their late game ability to loop Charon's care because they cannot attach for one energy, like get a double attachment. Yeah. Uh, so super valuable card in basic energy decks who are looking to get that leg up. You know, you think of the Palkias and the Samurats, especially. 
uh, who both rely on basic energy and want to access the abilities versus Mew and want to disrupt Arceus. It's just such a natural <laughs> fit into these decks. Yeah, definitely. I've I've said this for a while now. It's certainly since this card's been released, it's just kind of felt like we've been in a two stadium format, right? Where you have like, okay, you got your Path of the Peak, which is probably the premier stadium and like if you're going to play a stadium, you're trying to fit that in. But there are just some decks that don't really take advantage of the Path of the Peak. Um, and so they play the training court, right? And it's kind of felt like, okay, well, I need a counter stadium. Um, what do I play here? Uh, training court, I guess, is going to be fine. And so we've needed a little bit more diversity in stadium. And this Temple of Sinnoh is, like you mentioned, really nice uh, for what it does, right? Because it's giving you that disruption against two of the main decks uh, in the Mew and the Arceus and like arguably even like Urshfu, if we're still talking about that, yeah, you know, it's giving absolutely. you kind of this, this coverage against a lot of really solid decks while also being allowing you to use your abilities. So it's a, it's a strong card. Certainly. I think it might be a little high in terms of its impact on, you know, on our list here, but um, I'm excited to see kind of a third stadium option emerge and I'll be excited to see how players fit this into their lists if they do at all. Yeah. And certainly it fits super well with some of the other cards that we'll be talking about towards the top of this list. The JW Come, talk on number five then. Yeah, man. Coming in at number five is an oldie but a goodie dark patch. Dark patch. Respecters. Uh, anyone? Anyone? <laughs> I'm um, a dark, dark patch respecter for sure. Dark patch. Attach a basic dark energy from your discard pile to one of your bench dark Pokemon. It's simple. It's sweet. But Not it the is least quite card text of all the cards we've looked at so far, for sure. That's uh, so true. That's so true. <laughs> Even a simpleton, smooth brain like myself can understand. So, uh, you know, Dark Patch coming back into the format, obviously, with um, you know a number of really strong dark Pokemon currently and also to be released. Um, this card is going to find its way into a number of decks. Uh, obviously, we have our. Galarian Moltres, we have our Malamar VMAX. These are both cards that could make really good use of the Dark Patch. But then we have Samurott. We have Darkrai coming out in Astral Radiance. So look out for Dark Patch to be you know, one of the more prominent item cards in this new format. Yeah, I mean, we think of Dark as being a really premier type right now. It hits Mew for weakness. Generally, the attackers are just very strong and pretty efficient. A multi-purpose, you know, you have the Hoopa... You have the Galarian Moltres V, you have the Galarian Moltres, you have Malamar. They all have kind of like different weaknesses, fill different niches, all hit Mew for weakness. <laughs> so just a very powerful slew of cards and having that acceleration is really the only thing they've been missing, like that additional acceleration element. So I think Dark, already a primo type, Dark Patch, a, an excellent addition to the type. So Dark type's definitely not going anywhere in the immediate future. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because the the real way that dark types have been playable um, is when they've gotten the energy acceleration from the Arceus, right? You see yeah. Arceus Hoopa, uh, you see Arceus Malamar, um, you know, and, and Arceus just dark, Arceus Crobat, right? And so um, yeah. the, now all of a sudden you open up a possibility while it might still be better to play the Arceus, you open up the possibility of having that supplemental energy attachments or just replacing the Arceus line in general and going for a more item based acceleration engine. Absolutely. And of course, dark patch pairs incredibly well uh, with a V star that didn't make its way onto this list in dark Rye. Uh, RIP to a friend. 
I'm just, you know, for those that are out there that are like, oh, I really can't wait to try Darkrai V-Star. It just feels a little like a trap to me. I don't know if it does to you as well, but it feels like you're never going to do enough damage to keep pace with the other V-Stars. And obviously we have Dark Patch. Obviously we can get back energy with Galarian Moltres V and we have the Galarian Moltres to accelerate energy into play, but it's just so like you need such a big hand and obviously your opponent's going to be wiping energy off the board every turn when they take KOs. Um, it just, it, it feels like a trap. I just wanted to kind of. Yeah. I mean, there are out. Pokemon that for two energy attachments can do as much ener- damage as a, know six seven energy dark ride board so why bother at that point yeah <laughs> you can do the same thing for so much easier and then play more consistency cards instead maybe it'll be good but i i would will love just it say i'm if it was good. yeah right i would love it yeah for sure that's like definitely you know kind of a uh a, a ptcgo and chill type of deck right where you're just <laughs> logging on in the middle of the night you want to get a couple of tournaments under your belt you just eh, i'll throw some dark ivy star but uh it's not something that i'm going to be looking at spending a ton of money on getting cards for absolutely dark patch though incredibly impactful if you don't already have them from its stint in uh, both the Dark Explorers formats as well as Expanded format. Make sure you pick them up because it's going to be a great addition to any Dark deck. And clocking in at number four, we have a different Radiant Pokemon, and that is going to be the Radiant Greninja. Greninja, man, Pokemon loves this guy. <laughs> they they really, do. really do. And Radiant Greninja is just another excellent addition to the Greninja collection. Also, I gotta say, this card, the art on it is absolutely insane. I love Primo. the look of that sunset on the water. It's just so beautiful. It's and, got the um it's got like the Astral Radiance like gradient. Yeah, it does. Exactly. It's so, so sick. Um, so not only is the card incredibly cool though, but it is very very strong in multiple ways it's got the concealed cards ability you can discard an energy card from your hand once per turn to draw two cards you can actually use that multiple times per turn as well in a pinch you can scoop up net the greninja and use its ability again so it's not like a hard once per turn where you can truly only use it once you can reset it if you're able to and it has the moonlight shuriken attack so for Two water energy and a single colorless energy. You can discard two energy from Greninja and do 90 damage to two of your opponent's Pokemon. So kind of like a rapid flow light. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit harder to get the three energy on Greninja as opposed to on, say, an Urshifu, where you can leverage that um, that rapid strike energy to get those two energy in for one attachment. But on the mm-hmm. flip side, you're using a one prize Pokemon. <laughs> Uh, so you can kind of weigh the, the way the difference there, right? It does a little less damage, but 90 is exactly enough to KO a Drizzile on the bench. And right. it's all you really need to do. Honestly, you know, remove your opponent's Sabo and Drizzile out. It's a great alternative attacker in these water decks that are able to power it up. You know, you're thinking the Palkia V-Star, you're thinking the Frostmoth type decks, and it's a great consistency Pokemon in pretty much every deck. You know, you think of a radiant Pokemon, that you're going to put in your deck. Greninja should be top of the list as the first one you consider because it's just a great consistency option. 
Yeah, absolutely. The concealed cards ability, I think on its own, if that's all it had, uh, would be, you know, a strongly playable card. But (laughs) like you mentioned, in these water decks, having the ability to, on a one prizer, snipe two Pokemon for 90 damage. I mean, that is just a really strong attack kind of in a vacuum in and of itself. Like we talked about how good for so long the Rapid Strike Urshifu was, and it had an attack that, you know, should be more right? Because it's a freaking VMAX, but now you have it on a, on a one prizer doing 90 to two Pokemon. I mean, that, that's just so good. You think about the Pokemon that have 90 HP or less, right? There's a lot of setup Pokemon, uh, the Bidoofs of the world, the Drizziles, the Sobbles of the world, um, the Muse, you know, there's just so many Pokemon that, uh, this Greninja can straight up one shot and they could do it twice. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's certainly great meme potential as well with play- because the radiant Pokemon can be recycled. Unlike the prison Pokemon, you can do funny stuff like Nessa, Frostmoth, and Greninja like every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking to really get wild with your deck building, could see it. Missouian Heavy Ball to grab it out. And, Ooh, uh, now we're talking. <laughs> broken deck. So radiant Greninja, clearly the best radiant Pokemon great addition to most any deck it also can discard any energy card did you notice that discard and energy card for me yeah i was thinking about that too right because you could you could theoretically get two water and uh like a twin or a double turbo also for the ability i feel like oh yeah when you see these abilities it's like basic energy but this one's an energy which is cool yeah, imagine playing it in like an electric deck and then discarding a speed lightning. That's some that's some real, you know, alpha maneuvers. Yeah, your opponent will be will be crying for sure when they lose <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Coming in at number three, we have one of my favorite songs by the police, Roxanne. Sorry, could you sing that again? Roxanne! <laughs> You can only use this card if your opponent has three or fewer prize cards remaining. Each player shuffles their hand into their deck. Then you draw six cards and your opponent draws two cards. Roxanne, again, aside from being one of the best songs from the police, um, is the premier disruption card in the format. Now, I know we have Marnie. Marnie's always going to exist. Marnie's always going to be strong. But I don't know about when always. You th- well, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Because <laughs> there are times where you definitely don't want to play Marnie. But Roxanne, I think whenever you get the chance to play Roxanne, you're you're gonna take it, right? Because like setting your opponent down to two cards, three with their draw, is uh is not something that we've seen in the format since N and uh is kind of I wouldn't say desperately needed, sorely needed, but um you know, is is a good option to have for deck builders. Yeah, the level of magnitude of Roxanne's disruption relative to Marnie's is massive. You know, mm-hmm. when you think about it just by the numbers, you know, three cards in hand after their draw versus five cards, it doesn't seem like that insane, right? It's only two cards, but, you know, in practice, that is a huge difference in the amount of dig that you're going into your deck and, you know, the odds of you actually drawing your outs, you know, especially when you pair it with another disruption card like Path to the Peak. Uh, you know, for example, the Mew decks will have a much harder time drawing out of a Roxanne than a Marnie. Also notable is Roxanne shuffles the hand as opposed to Marnie's kind of dig. Right. So you can't use Rotom Phone to stack your deck, for example, or a Rangaroo to stack your deck to play around Roxanne 
in the same way that you can with Marnie. So Roxanne absolutely. has that absolutely insane disruption potential. The interesting thing about Roxanne for me is it's not particularly strong against B barrel decks, right? <laughs> it's the best against like the Mew deck when you have Path or against Inteleon decks is you know where it's gonna be the strongest. And the interesting thing about that is I think Inteleon decks are also the decks that are most likely to be able to use Roxanne <laughs> on the turn yes. you need to. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point is that um you know, obviously with a Bieberl deck, you're going to be able to recycle your hands. So um, Roxanne isn't going to affect you as much as an Italian deck or, you know, a Mew VMAX deck. Um, so it's really an interesting thing. Like, will we see the ripple effect of Roxanne being an option for players uh, extend to the kinds of draw that they play? Will players opt instead of playing a you know heavy Inteleon line to go for the Bieber line just because Roxanne exists? Well, that's something I was actually going to ask you is, you know, do you think particularly the Arceus decks, you know, we just saw Arceus B-Barrel win the Secaucus Regional Championship. Do you think people are going to shift to more B-Barrel focused Arceus decks in particular now that Roxanne's in the format now that there's, you know, even Radiant Greninja is like now able to snipe the Drizzles, is there mm -hmm. a motivation to swap variants? Yeah, there's that's a really good point on the Radiant Greninja, I think, because you know, you can evolve into your into your uh Bieberel, and that's not gonna take a snipe. Uh, you know, so that's one turn and you're out of snipe range, as opposed to the two turns it'll take with the Greninja. So sorry, I have a really loud <laughs> got a really loud uh really loud car out here sorry about that um so yeah so there's that that person's probably really cool they are they're really excited about this for sure um <laughs> so you have that uh you know you have that like uh, one turn kind of safeguard i guess if you're playing the biberal as opposed to the Intellion line um that really can't be understated i think uh and obviously as you said we saw Bieberel win this most recent regional championships. It's won regional championships in the past. It's been in those winning decks and high-performing decks. So there might be a really strong argument to just completely shift away from Inteleon and go into Bieberel. I think there's something there, at least. <laughs> you know, something to consider, if nothing else. You know, as we have the Roxanne's and the Greninja's and also even cards like Palkia that'll capitalize on you having the inherently wide bench that you do when you play Drizzile to its max effectiveness. Right. That's another good point as well. I think that for me, if I'm looking to construct a deck, I'm going to defer more towards the Bieberol. Obviously, there are some decks that just work way better with the Intellion line. But if given the option, yeah, I'm going to try to make it work with Bieberol first. Absolutely. So let's talk about our last two picks here, both of which actually work quite well with Inteleon. <laughs> and that's going to be at number two, Samurott V-Star. So we talked about Darkrai. Unfortunately, it is overshadowed by another Dark-type V-Star in this format. And the reason is that Hisuian Samurott is just so low maintenance in comparison for pretty respectable damage output. It has that Merciless Blade attack where if the opponent's active Pokemon has any damage counters on it, it does 220 damage. That's 110 plus 110 more. And the V-Star Power Moon Cleave Star, where you put four damage counters on one of your opponent's Pokemon, 
So Samurott can really climb up its damage numbers pretty aggressively when you combine it with quick shootings and Moon Cleave Star and Choice Belt. You know, just between Moon Cleave Star and a Choice Belt, you're doing 290 damage, which knocks out any opposing V-Star that doesn't have a big charm attached to it. You add in a, a ping, and you're up to 310. Uh, with Italian. you know, Zigzagoon pings as well can get you to pretty high damage numbers. And all for two Darkness Energy, which is just a really respectable damage output. It allows you to focus on consistency. You know, you only need a couple of Dark Patch to really function well, and you can stream those attacks like they're nothing. So Samurai is just that clean, simple attacker that does... High damage, can reach for the one-shots when it needs to, but otherwise is always threatening a two-shot. It's always one-shotting the basic Vs. It's just, you know, pure consistency is kind of what I think of it. Yeah, Samurai is definitely one of those decks that I would try to aim to include an elevated count of boss's orders, right? Because it seems to me that the deck uh, functions, you know, probably the best when you're just kind of sniping and picking off the the unevolved Vs on your opponent's bench, the Arceuses, the Palkias, you know, even in the mirror, just trying to get that uh, first KO on whatever Pokemon they're trying to set up. And so I would think, you know, three boss in this deck, four boss in this deck, just to be able to make sure you have it when you need it so that you can disrupt your opponent's strategy. Because I think, like you said, that's the strength of this card is just how efficient it can be with the damage output. And if you're knocking out Vs for two energy i think you have to lean into that strategy yeah another cool thing about samurai that people aren't necessarily talking about as much but the moon cleave star does put those four damage counters onto any one of your opponent's pokemon you can't spread them out but you can put four on any pokemon on the board which combined with like zigzagoon and Italians, you know if your opponent's trying to play like a one prize strategy for example you can pretty easily like set up a knockout on the active and put four damage counters plus an Inteleon ping on the bench to knock out a Sobble or knock out a Rogue Dunsparce that ended up there or knock out a Celebrations Mew that got stuck on the bench. You know, really pick off those Pokemon and offset the prize trade back in your favor. Um, so just a really versatile, powerful card. Knocks out those V Pokemon with relative ease and can reach for the high damage numbers on the opposing V stars. Plus it's a dark type, which never hurts. <laughs> so, Certainly. Damrot, a really awesome card. And at number one on our top 10 Astral Radiance card set list, uh, top 10 is Origin Form Palkia V-Star. I don't think that this has really any shock value at this point, um, considering shocked. we've been... Considering you've been teasing it for, you know, the entire list, but uh, <laughs> this is the premier V-Star. It's absolutely tearing it up in Japan right now. Subspace Swell for two water energy, 60 damage, Plus, this attack does 20 more damage for each benched Pokemon on both sides of the field. So it's a like an elevated Suicune V. The V-Star power also is quite strong. Star Portal is the ability there. During your turn, you may attach up to three water energy cards from your discard pile to your water Pokemon in any way you like. So if you have a rough start and you don't get an energy attachment down on turn one, or if you want to power up a Greninja, Radiant Greninja out of nowhere, or if you'd like to get any of the other attackers that you might play in the Palkia deck powered up, you have that star portal to get you out of a bind. It's a really strong card. You're doing more damage than the Suicune, which was a really, you know, tier two 
archetype for a lot of the last format. You're doing more damage there. You have more HP. You have this great ability. It comes together for a really solid package. Absolutely does. That star portal is, is a really insane V-star power, right? Being able to accelerate, there's three energy in the play. Of course, they do have to be in the discard first, but if you happen to have enough energy in the discard, you can even, like, Raihan or Melanie on that same turn, plus attach from a hand. That's five energy in a single turn that you can reach up to with star portal. Now, 90% of the time, you're probably not using star portal to get five energy into play in one turn, but it's just impressive that you have that much reach with your energy attachments right. with the Palkia V-Star. So really awesome card and definitely going to be a format defining card into the future. And JW, you referenced the Suicune and I think we should specifically address like what what is the selling point of Palkia, right? You know, if explain like we're five here, you know, I'm a Suicune player and I'm looking at Palkia and I'm like, well, yeah, Palkia does more base damage, but that actually is offset and actually in Suicune's favor if you count, for example, the Ludicolo, right? Which right. the Palkia does not have access to. The Suicune can reach those one-shots on those tanky Pokemon, you know, maybe a little bit more accessibly than Palkia. So why do I think that Palkia is a better deck than some of these other water-type attackers like Suicune, like Ice Rider, that can also reach these damage numbers? Yeah, I think you look at just the ease of setup as being something that um, really, really kind of leans into Palkia's favor. We think about Suicune, or at least when I think about Suicune and all the times I played into it, um, played against it or played with it, you're always searching for that Melanie. And there's going to be that turn where you're, you need to hit that Melanie, right? And it's like kind of make or break the entire game, whether or not that one turn you hit the Melanie and you're able to keep attackers rolling. That's not going to be the case with the Palkia. You have that built-in ability. You obviously can attach, right? You're only, you know, two energy attachments away from an attacker. Um, so that is kind of one of the, the biggest things there is that you're less reliant on Melanie to make sure that you can do things. And the other thing that I think is really important, I mean, the Suicune can um, increase the amount of HP it has with the Cape of Toughness, right? Go from 210 to 260. But I really think the HP can't be understated with the Palkia V-Star because you're going to 280. You could even potentially increase that further by playing your own Big Charm, go up to 310. As we know, Big Charm has been seeing a lot of play uh, throughout the entirety of the last format in Arceus decks to just increase that HP. So um, there's something to be said for uh, just being able to get off more attacks, right? 280 is larger than 260. So, you know, theoretically, you should be able to, um, you know, in, in certain math uh, matchups, be able to tank an extra hit and get off a little bit more damage. So um, those kinds of things work really heavily towards Palkia V-Star. Not to mention, if both players have full benches and you have a choice belt attached, then you can one-shot other V-Stars, which is really really a selling point for this card you don't even need the you know rare candy into the ludicolo yeah i think you hit on all the things that i would say you know palkia can hit the numbers that it needs to you know maybe not as reliably as like a, a ludicolo combo but it can get there um and it has that kind of consistency and hp boost right you're not necessarily getting your palkias knocked out every turn so you have a little more wiggle room and you can afford to play like hard draw supporters in a way that Suicune can't. So 
agree with everything that you said there. Palkia is certainly going to shake up the format and a great pairing with Inteleon and all the, basically every card that we talked about today besides the Dark Patch could honestly be thrown into Palkia. So true. It's just that good. Uh, so really excited to see what people come up with in their Palkia builds. And with that, JW, that wraps up our top 10 for Astral Radiance. Is there any other key points you wanted to hit on before we go ahead and transition to card of the day? I think some people are thinking about just to, on a side tangent for the Palkia uh, deck is like, how would you play this deck? Would you play it straight? Would you play it with, you know, with Starmie? Would you play it with the Ice Rider, Calyrex? Um, I was not. And then like, why would you ever play Palkia over Arceus? I was in that last camp where I was kind of like, why would you ever play Palkia over, over Arceus? Like Arceus is the established deck. You can play Arceus with so many different things. Um, you have, you know, somewhat similar, a, uh, damage output, right? You can play around the Palkia. Like there seemed to be a lot of kind of negatives, uh, that I was seeing when you compared Palkia to Arceus, which I, I feel like they're somewhat similar in what they do. Obviously they're, they're different cards with different attacks. You don't have to, you don't have to subtweet me here uh, tomorrow, but the, the comparison is there, right. To be made. So I'm like, well, why would you ever play Arceus over Palkia? But after seeing Palkia in action and the different tools that it has, the Greninja is a big one. The Starmie also pretty solid. And just itself, like being able to hit those two 90 numbers like we were just talking about. I think there's a lot to be said for Palkia being, if not the best, you know, one of the best decks in the next format. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a reason it's dominating in Japan. And obviously, we said on the cast before, you cannot necessarily transpose the Japanese meta one-to-one and say this is how the American meta will be. But I think Palkia is a card that has a high enough an obvious enough power level that it will see significant play. Do you think it's the best deck? I think it's going to be up there for sure. I think the contention will really be between it and Arceus still, right? And what do you think, think counter? What do you think counters Palkia though? Does it need to counter Palkia, or does it just need to be able to contend? Kind of my counterpoint to that. Mm. You know, if it if you have an Arceus deck that consistently contends with Palkia. Is the Arceus deck just more consistent and better because it has Arceus in it outright? You know, I think right. The, searching out right. I think that's right. the fundamental question that decks have had to answer for the entirety of this format. Is you know they can keep up with Arceus, but Arceus will keep up more. You know, keep up more often and and do it every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be the question that Palkia has to answer to be the best deck. I do think it's a contender though. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. For sure. So let's transition then into our card of the day. And in the spirit of my little cat interloper coming into my lap cast <laughs> here for the video watchers, we're going to feature a cat card on the card of the day. This is not planned. Uh, this is just a coincidence. But my card of the day today is the Lightbard from Boundaries Crossed. And this card inspired me in multiple ways today jw and i were talking earlier today about some weird combo deck i forget how exactly it came up but he was asking about the life and i also watched a a wolfie video today 
where he was talking about a broken strategy that involved Lightbard and VGC. And it also used the attack that's on this card in the VGC combo, and that's assist. So nice. assist in the video game will randomly select one of your Pokemon's attacks across your party and use it. Uh, and in the card game, the way they chose to replicate it on this Lightbard from Boundaries Cross is by doing a coin flip. So you flip a coin, and if heads for one darkness energy and for two colorless energy, you can choose one of your bench Pokemon's attacks and use it as this attack. So, you know, can replicate any attack, so to speak. And that's a really interesting <laughs> effect. You know, kind of the fundamental question you have to answer with Lipar is like, why would I attack with this when I could just attack with the guy I'm copying? Right. <laughs> and the answer is mostly for like beam combos. So the main meme combo that people have used this with in recent memory is you use it to copy Timeless GX on mm. Dialga, and you combo it with the Vaporeon that turns it into a water type because it's a stage one. Right. And then you use the, gosh, what what's the name the of the card? The Misty and Lorelei? Yes, Misty and Lorelei, where you discard five cards. <laughs> you discard four eggs and one of the card to reuse a GX attack. You just Timeless every turn for the rest <laughs> of the game. It's like almost impossible to set up and pull off, but it's so, so funny. And it's also still reliant on a coin flip. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> you know, you can make the odds in your favor, but it's still a coin flip at the end of the day. Exactly. Um, so super funny. It's just a cool card, though. Uh, you know, cute little Lipard. I I like Lipard in Forlone. Causing trouble, as cats do. Causing some trouble, as cats definitely do. So, Lifeheart is the card of the day. I was inspired by multiple events leading up to this. And it's a really awesome Pokemon. Nice. With that, GW, I think it's time to thank our sponsor. Absolutely. The Tag Team Pokemon Podcast is presented by Manscaped. We thank our friends at Manscaped for their continued support of the cast. And frankly, our lives have changed because they have come into them. So we have a lot of just, you know, fond, uh, fond moments, shall you say, with our Manscaped products uh, trimming here and there and everywhere with the ear and the nose hair trimmer, got the, the beard trimmer. You obviously have Riley's favorite. The underwear, I mean, it just extends to every facet of our grooming lifestyle at this point. So, Riley, tell them a little bit more about what they can expect out of Manscaped and from the brand here in the coming weeks. Yeah, Manscaped is the top of the line male grooming products, and they got all sorts of cool stuff coming. If any of this sounds interesting to you, make sure to use code TAGTEAM. At checkout on manscaped.com. That's code tag team, T A G T E A M, for 20% off and free shipping. So, Manscaped, as you heard last week, already launched their new ultra smooth package, which has the crop exfoliator, the crop gel, and crop shaver. Uh, so, basically, all sorts of shaving products for your lower areas. But they did not stop the new releases there. Just this past week, they introduced the Boxers 2.0. And let me tell you, I personally am very excited for the Boxers 2.0. They haven't quite arrived to us yet, but the Boxers 1.0, I'm wearing them right now, literally as we record the cast, and they are by far 
the favorite underwear in the drawer for me. I really can't describe enough how much of a game changer it is to have nice underwear, not the 20 pack that you pick up off the shelf. If that's what you're wearing, no judgment, but your life will change when you shift to that nice underwear. And the Boxers 2.0 is their latest in comfort products. So be sure to check them out. They got cool designs, patterns, and they will change your life. Riley endorsed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So get your own over at manscaped.com. Code tag team for 20% off plus free shipping. It's a really great deal. Check it out. Tag team at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. Right. Make sure to be clean and tucked for your next Pokemon tournament with Manscaped. All right, JW, time has come. It's time to decide what your top picks would be if you were playing this game, <sighs> which you are. <laughs> I, technically, I am. Yeah. Um, so we're going to look at the Astral Radiance format and the Brilliant Stars format and relay our number one picks for each. JW, why don't you kick us off with your top pick in the Astral Radiance metagame? Yes. So actually, my top pick right now we were talking about palkia being very very strong um i would potentially try to go that one step further we talk about that in the cast a lot how do you get that one step ahead of where the metagame is i think if everyone decides to bring that palkia v star then i think the one step further would be to play an arceus deck that relies on uh, a secondary attacker that's lightning so i would potentially look at playing for this weekend, a flying Pikachu Arceus deck. <laughs> I know that that is not something that we have really seen, but it's a deck that has seen some play in the Japanese format, so it's not completely out of left field. But the advantage of the flying Pikachu is that, well, it's got free retreat. That's always very nice in an Arceus deck. Uh, but you have just a lot of HP. When you evolve into that VMAX, it's going to be a little bit harder for your um, Palkia V-Star foe to knock you out as soon as you evolve and you're going to be one-shotting them in return with your attack. So I think there's a lot to be said for the potential of the deck and I'm going to be new- needing to do some testing here over the next couple of days. Yeah, I was also thinking of playing a surfing Pikachu VMAX with Arceus because mm-hmm. then you yeah. can play like a very straightforward Arceus Inteleon with the waters. Yep. Um, but also just have the lightning option and surfing Pikachu uh, to deal with those Palkias a little bit more easily. It does that one, same 160 damage. Plus you get the little bit of spread damage, which could be relevant <laughs> in some scenarios. Sure. So, I don't know. I, I like, I like both options though. And you know, I would agree that would be kind of be my choice into an astral radiance metagame would be to play. I would just opt for the surfing. I would go for uh surfing Pikachu Arceus. Interesting. <laughs> interesting he says interesting i i, I don't know i, I kind of pegged you as like let's play the best deck in format like let's play the palkia yeah i Get think it. i think actually my top two choices you know if if i'm going to give a different answer my next choice would actually be to try and break samurai um because mm-hmm. i think it seems more fun than palkia but <laughs> sure nice that would be my first try at least dark types for life baby so what about then in brilliant stars for our folks who are going to the Vancouver regional championship this weekend. What should they be slinging 
if they're a tag team listener. Oh my gosh, that is such a, I feel like it's a loaded question, right? We're just so kind of, I, in my brain, I'm finished just with say this Arceus, format. Bro. <laughs> no, no, I'm actually not going to say Arceus. <laughs> if that's I, what I'm you're leading say, up to. Is that... No, no, no. I, I'm actually going to say that I was really impressed with the uh, the deck that uh, uh, Stefan Ivanov and his crew took to the uh, the regional championships in Lille, France over the last weekend with their kind of basic dark you know, Galarian Moltres focused deck with the uh, Rowlet that attacks for free off of a bird keeper. They had Galarian Zapdos fee, um, just a bunch of basic Pokemon that can attack Hoopa, of course, as well. Uh, all these basic Pokemon under the umbrella of an Inteleon engine and just being able to kind of get those quick, cheap attacks on one prize attackers. I'm really intrigued by the list and by the deck in general. And I think I might bring something like that to this weekend's tournament if i were to go to vancouver for instance i think there's a lot of different gameplay um you know uh, uh lines of play that you can find with a deck like this that i just would feel comfortable at least having the option to like you know if i could find the right line uh being able to outplay my opponents totally yeah it's a it's an awesome deck it's one i've really enjoyed for a while is kind of that a uh, little more modern take on the dark box deck i yeah. really enjoy this i think for myself i would likely consider playing an arceus b barrel deck if i could make arceus b barrel fit a jolteon and work uh that would be my first choice you know something like the second place deck in in the the french championship or a you know if i couldn't quite make that work I would probably concede and play like a straight Arceus and Teleon like Andrew Dankus played uh, to the top eight. Yeah. Congratulations to Andrew, by the way, uh, the for, his, for his solid finish last weekend. But yeah, I think there's a lot to be said though, for trying to avoid the Arceus mirrors. Um, there is but at a certain <laughs> point. Do you just, my almost concession is like, do you just bite the bullet at this point? Because it's clearly like the card. Yeah, that, that's fair. You know, we did that with Zark eventually. <laughs> yeah, there's just like no way to like, I don't know. There, there's very few ways to get around it. You know, outplay, get around the I get advantage. It. The outplay potential is low. Yeah, for sure. But and I might make that concession. I think the outplay is like, you know, taking a variant that could kind of deal with it well. And I, those are the variants that I would consider. Right? Is uh, I see. Sure. You know, the, like a Charon's Care Loop heavy water energy heavy for melanie arceus and Teleon variants or i would you know play a barrel variant that could shut down the opponent <laughs> i like it so those are those are what we would consider for the brilliant stars format and i think yeah, that, best best of luck to everybody playing by the way because yeah absolutely uh, that's that's uh that's uh a format that that i think i'm happy to be out of but bad luck to you if you play JW at the full grip right. 3.5k. You better have bad luck because JW is <laughs> supposed to win. <laughs> I'm trying to do it, man. I got top four at the first one, and then yeah, like maybe, if, you're, maybe if you were good enough, you would win. But whoa, whoa! I couldn't make it to the second one, man. So oh, just did you win? No, I didn't. Okay, so hmm. yeah, yeah, you would be. I was <laughs> just curious though. <laughs> so i think that brings us to a great close for tonight thank you all so much 
for listening and supporting to tag team your support means everything for us doing the cast and if you are looking to support us more there are some awesome ways that you can do that you can leave a rate and review with your opinions of the cast on your favorite podcasting platforms and you can follow us on social media our primary tool being twitter where you can find the podcast at Tag Team Pokemon, myself at Smiles of Riles, and JW at Real John Walter. Now, we also stream live every single Wednesday over at twitch.tv slash Munner. I also run a Twitch channel myself, twitch.tv slash Flex Daddy Righteous. It's been great to break down this uh, you know, new upcoming metagame, the best cards of Astral Radiance, and we look forward to bringing you more great content in the weeks to come. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See you.